Amen. They've not seen yet, but they will one day. Judge what Job said. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He said, I shall see Him. Mine eyes shall see Him. And so I'm glad one day we'll be able to look upon His face. And uh, looking forward to that day. I don't know about you, I mentioned um, the problems we have in our families today and the dads not being present, and that breaks my heart. Uh, we are also living in a time when, when men just don't want to be men any longer. Amen. Uh, that's right. That's right. And uh, we're living in a time when, uh, I'll be honest, it's, uh, I've never seen anything like it. Parents taking their toddlers to drag queen shows. and I mean, the men of this country really ought to stand up and say enough. Amen. That's right. Amen. We need men. The Bible speaks of the aged men teaching the younger men. That's what we need. Men teaching children, boys, how to be men, and, and women teaching their daughters how to be ladies. And that's lacking in today's culture, uh, but it's, uh, it is, uh, it's needed in the ways of the Lord. Amen. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate the children, that, and I shouldn't say children, the young people who, who sang in, um, in Sunday school. My, that, that gave me a blessing, and I appreciate the prayer. Brother Aiden prayed. There's, uh, that gives me great hope to know that we've got young people still in this day that are willing to stand for their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the prayer that Brother Aiden prayed, and I'm not trying to embarrass him, I've seen grown men not be able to pray like that. And so I do appreciate that. That touched me hearing that. Anything on your heart before we go into the Scripture lesson? Alright, you pray for me. I've sort of struggled with this. Uh, a lot of reading, but turn with me to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter uh, 37, and then we'll read in Genesis 45. But Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going to start. It's sort of a Father's Day story, I guess. I didn't really think about it being Father's Day uh, sermons, and it's probably not a Father's Day sermon, but it does deal with, with a father and his children. In Genesis chapter 37, and I'm sure we've all heard this story. If, uh, if you've not, I would encourage you to read, starting with Genesis 37, and just read to the end of Genesis. The story of Joseph is one that's uh, one of the more remarkable things you'll read. And, and we understand that life isn't fair. Uh, I've had people say that to me, that... that uh, that preacher, why does this happen? And and life's not fair. And I know people who've grown bitter and 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 resentful because they've been dealt a certain hand in life. Uh, and I would like to remind us all. And I know when we're in the throes of that, it's hard to see. But I'd like to remind you that nothing, not one thing, can happen to any last one of us outside of the realm of the of the permission of God Himself. And so we, we grow bitter sometimes. And I know people who, who things have happened. They've lost their children and their grandchildren. And they've buried them. And they've grown bitter and resentful toward God. And, uh, and I, I try to tell them life's not fair. Listen, they, <laughs> if anybody understands life's not fair, it's the one who hanged on a cross for nothing. He understands better than anybody that sometimes you just get dealt a hand. And sometimes it's for the glory of God. And, uh, and so while your suffering is, is a pleasant, um, there are some things we can glean from it. And, and we'll look at that in Genesis chapter number 37. 
starting with verse 31. And it says, And they took Joseph's coat, this is his brothers, and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Turn with me now to Genesis 45. And it is quite a bit of reading, but you bear with me and just pay attention to the story. And it says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years more in which there uh, shall neither be earing uh, nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go ye up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down now unto me, tarry not. And then thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and all thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there I will nourish thee, for there are yet five years of famine, lest thou and thy household, and all that thou hast, come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, that, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen. And ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them, and after that his brethren talked with him. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, lay ye beasts, and go and get you into the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat of the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take ye wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and, your, and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and gave them provision for the way. 
To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt, and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. And he said unto them, See that you fall not out by the way. And they went up out of Egypt, and came into the land of Canaan, and to Jacob their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived, and Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. I will be brief today because it's Father's Day. I know that you have plans, but um, you pray for me. I've tried to preach on Joseph a few times, and it seems like every time I do, I have a hard time, and I stumble and I fall. Maybe that's today, but nevertheless, this is on my heart. And uh, I begin to think, and as I said, I wasn't really thinking about Father's Day, but, uh, but it sort of ties in. Here was a, a man by the name of Jacob who, who, when he was saved, he wrestled with an angel, and God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And so Israel, you hear to the twelve tribes of Israel, they are his twelve sons. And, and uh, he had twelve sons by by four different women, and, and uh, that's, that, that's not how God ordains things to be, but things happen, and so I'll not get into that, but he ended up with 12 sons, and, uh, but his, uh, uh, out of the women in his life, he loved Rachel above all of them. Rachel was the one that Jacob had, had saw when he fled from his brother and, and went to his father's house and his, his grandfather's house, and and, uh, and he loved Rachel. From the time that he saw her, it was love at first sight. And, and, uh, and, and he loved Rachel and he served her, uh, her, uh, her uncle, her father, seven years. And he said, the seven years that I worked for you seemed as just a few days. And, and so he loved Rachel, but Rachel was barren and, and she couldn't have children. And so uh, Jacob ended up, he was also married to her sister Leah, and Leah bore him children, and, and Rachel's handmaid bore him children, and Leah's handmaid bore him children. And all the while, Rachel had no child. And, and they began to pray and cry out, no doubt, uh, for a child. And God heard their cry. And, uh, and he allowed Joseph to be born unto Rachel. And, and Jacob loved Joseph uh, more than the rest of his children. That's not right, uh, but that's what happened. And, and, uh, and so he loved Jacob. And then Leah, I'm sorry, Rachel had one more child named Benjamin. And she died in childbirth bearing Benjamin. So out of the woman whom he truly loved, he had two children. He had Joseph and he had Benjamin. And, uh, and, and Joseph was a man who, a young man who went out and checked on the welfare of his brothers. And, and Jacob loved Joseph. And Jacob made Joseph a coat of many colors because he loved him. And, and his brethren resented him for that. And, and Joseph had dreams. And he dreamed that, uh, that uh, he had a sheaf. And, and his sheaf stood straight up. And his brother's sheaf bowed down and made obedience unto him. He had another dream that the sun and the moon and the eleven stars 
fell down and made obeisance to him. And that made his brothers hate him even more. And there came a day that they were out feeding the flock in Shechem, or so they were supposed to be. And Jacob sent Joseph out to check on his brothers. And you bear with me, when Joseph got there, they were nowhere to be found. And a man found Joseph and asked him, what are you looking for? And Joseph said, I seek my brothers. If you'll tell me where they are, I'll go and find them. And he said, they're in Dothan. And, and, and Joseph went out to find his brethren. And his brothers seen him coming. And they said, here comes that dreamer. They said, do you know what we should do? We ought to just kill him and throw him in a pit somewhere and there we'll be rid of all of our problems. I got, there's a lot of people that try to do that with Jesus Christ. Joseph bears a strong resemblance to Jesus in many ways. And so Joseph came into his own, you see, and his own received him not. His own took the innocence of Jacob and they said, let's kill him now. And Reuben stood up and he said, Do the child no harm. He's your brother. Now let's just cast him into this pit. And Reuben had mind to come back and get him later. But in the meantime, a band of Ishmaelites came by and they raised up Joseph out of that pit. And, uh, and they sold him into the land of Egypt. And those Ishmaelites took off with their brother. And they left behind the coat of many colors. And the brothers said, what shall we do? And they came up with a scheme and a plan. And they said, we'll kill a kid of the goats. And we'll take that coat of many colors. And we'll dip it in blood. And we'll go and present it to our father. And he'll say, Joseph's dead. And we're finally rid of him once and for all. And so they went back and gave that coat to their father Jacob. And they said, do you know, is this your boy's coat? And Jacob said, yes, it's my son's coat. That's Joseph's coat. And it's covered in blood. And no doubt he's been rent and torn pieces by some animal. And he grieved and he wept. And I felt different times how they could put their own daddy through that. And I know there are times growing up we put our parents through things that we're later on sorry for down through life. But but you see what my point is. It's easy sometimes for us to believe a lie. It was an absolute fabrication that Jacob was dead, or that Joseph was dead, but Jacob had latched himself on to that lie. I have zero doubt this morning that I'm uh, speaking to some of you here today that are believing a lie and not the truth. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean by the things that I don't mean I've had visions or anything like that, but the way I feel in my heart how there is somebody or maybe somebody's that has had a work done in their heart and yet you believe the lie that Satan would tell you that there's nothing to that. It's easy to believe the lie. The signs point to the lie. The coat was covered in blood. You say, preacher, maybe something happened to me, but I don't trust it yet. And so that deceiver comes in and he begins to mess and meddle with your mind and you believe the lie. And after you believe the lie so long. Jacob believed this lie a long, long time. Uh, but you see, behind the scenes, God was working all along. And those Ishmaelites sold Joseph unto Potiphar, and that was captain of the guard of the prison of Pharaoh. And Joseph prospered in Potiphar's house. And, and Joseph being there, Potiphar's house prospered. And, and Potiphar realized that uh, that uh, uh, God is working through this, this Hebrew slave. And, and so he committed all of his house 
into the hands of Joseph. And, and uh, uh, Potiphar didn't even know anything that he had. He, he handed it all to Joseph. But there came a day when, uh, when Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph to lie with her uh, carnally. And, and she wanted to have an affair with him. And, and Joseph said, My master has given me everything in his house. And not one thing is withheld from me except you. And he said, How can I sin against God and do this thing? And he fled. And as he fled, she grabbed hold of his garment. And he fled and left his garment there with her. And she began to scream and cry. And the company people come running in. And she lied on Joseph and said he tried to rape her. And Potiphar caught wind of that. Potiphar took Joseph, threw him into prison. So there here's this Hebrew boy. A man now, he's already been thrown into a pit by his brothers. He's been sold into slavery in Egypt. And now he's sitting in prison. And the whole time he was an innocent man. He had done nothing to deserve any of that. And so his lot in life, I don't know how many times I've told people and counseled people that you just have to play the hand you're dealt. Not everybody's dealt the same hand. Some are rich, some are poor, some are big, some are small. Whatever lot that you have, you just be thankful that it's as well as it is with you today. And you wouldn't have to look far before you found somebody in worse shape, I promise you. But here's Joseph in prison. And the prison, uh, the prison guard finally understood what Potiphar was going through. And the prison began to prosper. And it was all because Joseph, through all of those trials and tribulations, he served God, he served him faithfully. So the guard of the prison committed all the prisoners into Joseph's hand. And I'm going somewhere with this. There was a day when, when uh, the chief baker and the chief butler of Pharaoh had been cast into prison. They had made Pharaoh mad. And they were there a few days and they both had a dream one night. And Joseph interpreted their dreams unto them. And it came to pass just exactly how Joseph had said it would. The baker was returned to his former estate. Or the butler was and the baker was hanged and he died. And two years went by and Joseph was still in prison. Uh, the butler didn't remember the promise that he made. If you get out of here, you tell Pharaoh that I've done nothing wrong. Uh, two years went by and then Pharaoh had a dream that troubled him greatly. And the chief butler said, I remember my faults this day. He said, there was a time I was in prison and there was an Hebrew there that had been cast in. He interpreted dreams and so Pharaoh called him Joseph came out of the prison bathed and he shaved himself and he went before Pharaoh and he said, tell me the dream. And Pharaoh said, I saw seven kind or cattle uh, standing by the river and they were fat flesh and well favored. And then he said, I saw seven other kind uh, that came up and they were skinny and they were so very skinny and they ate the fat flesh kind and when they got done eating them, they were just as skinny as they were. The same thing happened with ears of corn. Uh, some was full, some was blasted with the east wind. And J Joseph said, here's the dream. Your dreams are one thing. He said, God is showing you what He's about to do. There's going to be seven years coming to Egypt of good and plenty. And he said, you store up in those seven years. He said, you've never seen a time that it's going to produce more food than it will in these next seven years. Uh, but after those seven years, there's going to come another seven years and you won't remember the good because of how bad it's going to be. 
And he said, God is showing you what, what you're going to go through. And, and Pharaoh uh, commended Joseph and set him up over all of Egypt. And so Joseph was given the power and the authority. None was greater in Egypt except for Pharaoh himself. And so here's Joseph, this little Hebrew slave. He's now been exalted to a place where men come to him. And so in the seven years of good and plenty, they stored up a fifth in every land. They put them in silos and in barns and they put all of this grain. And then came the seven bad years. And my friends, I, let me just stop right there. God has been good to this country. He's given us 200 years of good and plenty. Uh, but i got news for you today. We better be storing some things up. I don't know if you've looked around the bend. I certainly believe we've got bad things uh, uh, coming our way. Uh, should we receive bad at God and not good or good and not bad? I'm telling you there are times that we're going to go through. Uh, I believe that are coming swiftly and the judgment of God is going to come and America will be judged. But let me... Move on. So Joseph was now ruler in all of Egypt. And there he was. Jacob still thought he was dead. And so there he was, ruler in all of Egypt. And there became a famine down in Canaan land. And Jacob sent his ten sons. He kept Benjamin because he'd already lost Joseph. And Benjamin was the only thing he had left of Rachel. Just little Benjamin. He loved little Benjamin. And so he kept Benjamin close by. He was the apple of his eye. And those other ten brethren went down into Egypt. And they stood before Joseph. And this time... Joseph had been given a, 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 an Egyptian name. And they didn't recognize their own brother, but he saw them. And he recognized them. I'm glad today. You know there are times you are so close into the Lord and you have no idea who it is. You're so close uh, unto salvation, uh, but you just uh, you don't realize that, I guess. But, uh, but they stood before their brother and Joseph knew them and he treated them harshly spoke to him by an interpreter, called them spies. You're coming out to spy the land. And they said, no, sir. And he said, have you got any other family? And they said, we had a brother, but he's dead. He was torn a beast long ago. And we've got another brother named Benjamin at home. And he's at home with their father. And when they said that, Joseph said, is your father. It's my father he had alive. And so he gave them their corn and their grain. I sent them on their way. Now they got back home realized that they still had the money for the corn. He didn't charge them. And they were scared. But Joseph had kept Simeon. He bound Simeon. And he said, if you ever want to see this brother again, you'll come back with Benjamin, your younger brother. That way I'll know you. And you say, preacher, why did he put his brethren through all of that? I'm telling you, sometimes God will want to try your faith. He'll want to make sure that what you believe is real. How we require as Baptists when we baptize you into the church of the living God for you to show forth some fruits of repentance. He wanted to know where his brothers stood. He wanted to know if their heart had been changed. And, and so Simeon stayed behind and they came back home and they ran out of food. And they said, Father, we, or the father Jacob said, go back down into Egypt and buy us more food. And they said, we can't except you send Benjamin with us. So he said, go and take Benjamin. But he said, if anything happens to him, his brother's already dead. And if anything happens to him, I want you to understand it'll kill me. And I'll go down to my grave. 
And, and, and Judas stood up and said, if anything happens to him, let me bear the blame of it forever. And so they get back and I'm running through this very hurriedly. Uh, but they get back and stand before Joseph one more time. And Joseph sees them. And he said, is this your younger brother that you told me about? And they said, yes, it's Benjamin. He said, what about your father? Is he still alive? How's he doing? And they said, he's doing well. Uh, he gave them their food, spoke to him harshly, sent him back away. But he planted his cup, his silver cup into Benjamin's sack. And they got on the way and he told his steward, go after him. And when you find him, and when you find my cup, you bring that one as a prisoner back to me. Well, he overtook him. And the brothers said, there's no way any of us would have stole this cup. And lo and behold, they found it in Benjamin's Back. So they went back into Egypt land, stood before Joseph one more time, and Joseph wept and he saw him and he wept and he wanted to know how was their heart. And God is concerned this morning about your heart. He's not concerned about your stuff. He's concerned about your heart. And jo Joseph was concerned how his brothers were. And the whole time they stood, and he didn't know they could understand him because he was speaking by an interpreter. But the whole time they stood before Joseph, they were saying one to another, all of this is happening unto us because of what we did to our brother Joseph years ago. A long time had passed, but God was bringing it back to their mind. He was making them accountable. He was bringing conviction upon their heart and upon their soul. I'm glad that God sends conviction down to a sinner. And they said, all of this bad stuff is happening because of what we did all those many years ago. Now you see, you might get by with it for a long, long time. But there's going to come a day your sin will find you out. There's going to come a day if left unrepented of and unconfessed before God, there's going to come a day uh, your sin will be turned and put back upon your own head. And there's going to come a day and a time what they meant to be bad, God had turned it to good for Joseph. And so Joseph stood before him, and he could hear everything they were saying. And Judah stood up and he said, Sir, he said, let me stay. He said, take me and bind me and put me in your ward. I'll be your slave. I'll be your servant. I'll do anything that you want me to do. I just let Benjamin go home. He said, if Benjamin does not go home, then our father will surely die. And Joseph heard that. And he sent everybody out from him. He had saw enough evidence that Judah was the very one who sold him into slavery. But now Judah's heart had changed. After Judah stood and confessed and said, let me take his place, he saw enough change. And he said, I am Joseph. And they went back. I'm telling you the first time God reveals Himself to a lost sinner, it'll scare you to death. Because you know that you are now in your sins. But what did He say to them? He spoke so sweetly. And He said, just come to Me. Oh, how I like that. How the God of heaven and earth will say to a man, come unto Me. And come unto Me. And He spake well to them. He said, I am your brother. I am Joseph. I thought about that had to be pretty well what it was like when the disciples told that Jesus was dead and buried forever. But there came a day He stood in their midst and He began to say unto them, I am alive. 
I am alive. That's what Joseph was saying unto them. He said, go back and tell my father, how is dad? Is dad okay? Is daddy well? And they said, yes, Joseph, he's well. And he said, you go back and you tell him. And you tell him of my glory. And you go and get my father. Pharaoh heard about it. And he said, take the wagons with you. And that's what I wanted to get to. Take these wagons with you and go out and bring your father back. And I'll nourish him. And you and your children and your children's children shall eat of the good of the land. Now you remember, I said it's easy for you to believe a lie. So when God tries to convince you of the truth, it's hard to believe. That's what Thomas went through. Thomas wanted to believe. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus showed Himself after He rose from the grave. And Thomas said, I will not believe except I see in His hands the prints of the nails and except I thrust my hand into His side where that spear was driven, I will not believe. And six days later, Jesus showed up in the midst and He said, Thomas, come and see me, Thomas. He said, look at the holes in my hands and thrust your hand into my side. Be not faithless, but believing, Thomas. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Blessed are they, are you because you've seen and you believe. But He said, More blessed are they that have not seen, yet still they believe. That's me. I've never seen our Lord and Savior, but I believe He was crucified for my sins. I believe it's by His stripes that I'm healed. I believe that He poured His blood out so that I could be saved. It's got to be personal with you today. You've got to believe it yourself. And so Pharaoh said, send the wagons. And they went back. And they went back to Canaan land. And they went to their father. And they said, Daddy, you're not going to believe it. They said, Joseph is alive. And guess what? Jacob had believed that lie for so long that he was dead. Yet he was unable to accept the truth. I believe that's in the case with some of you. You've listened to the deceiver for so long that you don't believe God. And when He tells you that He saved you and He's cleaned you up, there may not be anybody here in that case, but I believe there might be. And so it's easy to believe that lie and that that wasn't salvation. That's what Satan does. He'll tell you what you think is it. That's not it. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. That's not it. You're still lost. You're still lost. You're still lost. That's his job. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And so you believe that maybe for so long that you don't believe the truth that God has to be saved you if He has. I'm not trying to push anybody into salvation. I'm trying to get you to open your eyes to the Possibility. Do you remember a time and a place where something happened and something changed inside of you? They had believed the lie so long. Jacob, he couldn't believe the truth. But what led him to believe the truth? They began to tell him the words of Joseph. But the Bible said when Jacob looked and he saw the wagons coming, that he realized that my, he said, it is enough. My son is yet alive. I want you to understand and my prayer to God for you whatever condition that you might be in if you're saved, if you're lost. My prayer to God for you is that God would open your eyes that you can see the wagons coming. They are on their way and the wagons are loaded down with mercy and with grace and with salvation and with an atonement. The wagons are loaded down with preachers, with men of God, with family, with Sunday school teachers, with the Word of God. The wagons are loaded down with the goods of heaven and God has sent them to you. 
and in your life have you seen those wagons? I'm telling you, I've been in places I just wanted to listen. I've been in hard places. I've been in places of despair. And you know what? Then I'll begin to hear the sound of the wagons. God sent me a wagon. He sent me a wagon one night in the form of an altar call. That was a wagon, you see. It was leading me from this old land, this barren land, this land where there was no food. And that wagon led me to a land that was flowing with milk and honey. That wagon led me to Jesus Christ. That wagon comes to you in the form of the Gospel. That wagon, if you see it and you really lay your eyes upon it, that wagon will bear the fruits of the cross of Calvary. That wagon will convict your heart. And that wagon, you see, how when you realize that that is full of God's goodness and God's amazing grace, and He sent that wagon to you to nobody else, but He sent it for your benefit. How many times have you been in your seat and God knocks at your heart? You know what that is? That's a wagon. That's a wagon. How many times I've heard Him referred to as fence post that you've drove in the ground, that you've laid your claim to, that you've got a stake there, that you've got a marker there, that that was the time that God met with you. You know what that is? That's a wagon. That's a wagon. You see, they carried those wagons and Joseph or Jacob saw the wagons and he said, it's enough. I wish some of you would say it's enough. I've lived in sin for so long. It's enough now. If God has sent a wagon of salvation my way, I want to board that wagon. I wish some of you that may be saved would say it's enough. I believe this lie long enough and open up your eyes and see the wagon, see the testimonies, and see those people that have been uh, moved from nature under grace and they're not so different than you. And they've got it. If you think about it, their experience really sounds a lot like yours and yours sounds a lot like theirs. And Satan the whole time is lying to you. I'm telling you, God has sent you a wagon. And if you'll look upon that and begin to see, begin to pray over it, and begin to search out your heart, that if God saved you, we live in a time of confusion. And I've heard some of you, many of you here at Lafayette, say you're confused. You don't know. But you know what the sad thing is? I've been here three years. You didn't know then. You don't know now. And you've not made any move as far as I know. Maybe I have at home. But you've not made any move publicly to show that you're even interested in your own soul. That bothers me. I'm not trying to fuss at you. I say that because I love you. And I know for a fact that God has sent you wagons in your life. I know that He sent you men of God that have preached to you. I know He sent you parents who cared for you. Brought you to the house of God. You see, one day I'm going to board that wagon. Uh, one day I'm going to board that wagon and I'm going to go from here to there. I've already boarded it spiritually, uh, but one day that wagon is going to take off and lead me from here. Lead me from the land of the dying and it's going to drive me straight to the land of the living. David said, My heart had fainted unless I had believed to see God in the land of the living. The Bible says that wagon they loaded up and they were loaded up with the goods of Egypt and Jacob got on that wagon and off they went. They came into the land of Egypt and Jacob sent Judah before him and he said, go and get Joseph and go and get my son and bring him unto me. The Bible said Joseph made haste and he went and he came to the land of Goshen and there after 20 so or odd years, there he laid his eyes on his daddy, the one whom he loved. And there Jacob finally laid his eyes 
upon the one that He loved all of these years. And the Bible says they fell upon one another's neck and wept a good long while. Thank God I'm going to see Him one day. Now one day that wagon is going to take me to where He's at. And glory to God, He'll step off of that beautiful shore. And there I'll be. And I'm going to weep on Him a good long while. I mean, thank God for those wagons. I'm thankfully sent one to get me one night. You see, I went to church with a clear conscience. I went to church and not a care in the world. I went to church and nothing, nothing, and no kind of shape, nothing about me. I was even thinking that I was going to end up on an altar that night. I mean, I had no trouble until trouble came. And that's the way it is. You have no trouble until trouble came. But thank God, you know what happened? When the trouble came, I heard those wagon wheels turning. When trouble came, the wagon came. And when the wagon came, I came to the altar. And I rode that wagon from there to eternity that night. Glory to God, my life has been changed. Not that I was a bad boy or anything like that. I was pretty good as far as that goes. I was too young to get in any trouble. We didn't have cell phones or anything like that to get in trouble with. But you see, I knew down deep inside I was a sinner. And that's what broke me. That I was a sinner. It was my sins that placed Him on the tree. That was a wagon. God's saying just like Joseph told His brethren, they were scared. I was scared. But Joseph said so calmly, just come unto Me. Just come to Me. And He spake comfortably to them. I want, I've got good news for you today. Just as Jacob, Joseph's brothers told Jacob, Jesus is alive. Jacob, Joseph was alive all of those years. They told him that he was alive. Not only was he alive, he was a king. He was a ruler. He was a leader over a great multitude of people. And people had to come to him to buy food. I've got news for you today. Jesus is alive. He's the one that people go to to get fed spiritually. He's not only alive, but he's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And my friend, I wouldn't let that wagon pass you by. Is he dealing with you today to say or to do something? I don't know your heart. But I believe the wagons have been circling this place ever since I've been here for three years. But people have hung on to the lie. Jacob, he wanted to believe, but he couldn't get past that lie. You've got to get past that lie. You've got to get past that deception. You've got to get past that deceiver. Don't come to the altar. You'll make a fool of yourself. That's a lie. It's a lie. These people here love you. They would no more talk bad about you than you know what they'd do. They'd come and pray with you. They'd get on their little wagons and they'd hitch them up to yours and they'd come up here. This may be the silliest sermon that you've ever heard, but that's what God gave to me. Can you hear the wagons? Can you see the wagons? They're on their way. I believe they're circling this place right now. I wouldn't let them depart and not be on it. Just get on the wagon and get on the road. Jesus is yet alive. And He's calling all men to come to Him. And He'll feed you the good of the land. That's what I got for you today. Come on.